Webster's. You are listening to the weekly roundup with Alex and Dan. Um, it's great to see you um, on my screen, Alex. I thought I'd lost you in the coronavirus apocalypse. I'm Dan. Uh, now I'm still here with um, a, a homemade haircut. I'm not sure if you can see it down the screen. Yeah, it's, uh, I can see it. it's quite sharp. Uh, I'm Alex, and yeah, um, we are continuing the uh, the COVID lockdown uh, episodes, Dan, aren't we? We are. Um, I mean, we've sort of been out of action for about two or three weeks. Um, I decided to move house. Uh, I mean, who does that during lockdown? But for the sake of mine and my other half's sanity, we had to move and we had to get out. But, but it's something to do, Dan, isn't it? Because we've all been locked locked away. And what else to, to while away the time than to box up and unbox and unpack and, and move your belongings? And um, I'm sure you've had lots of fun, haven't you? Yeah, uh, we've probably done more in this house than we did in the entire six months we were in our previous flat, which says a lot. It does. Um, but it's a long story for not this podcast. A different, uh, a different ranty episode. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if they, if we get invited onto how not to be an idiot, maybe I'll rant on there. What the um, the how not to be an idiot whilst renting or, or renting episodes? Yeah, yeah. I, I want special guests. I want dibs. So, ladies, if you're listening, I, I want in. Why not? Pitch it. Yeah. But um, that's your ranting, Dan. But actually, this episode, well, we're going to kick off a brand new season and we're going to be doing uh, an episode on Hollywood Divas. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about why you, you, you thought you chose this one. Because you, you had done some research and you may or may not have got yourself into a little bit of social media trouble in the hot water. Yeah, I mean, we sort of know actors and actresses are quite renowned for um, making strange demands or being quite aggressive on set. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we don't really do a, a lot of in-depth research when we post on socials, but I um, I firstly picked out a picture of Leah Michelle. wasn't intending to talk about her in this episode because, well, you know, I had other people to talk about. But um, so I posted a picture, as, as, as we do on the weekly we roundup. Yeah. And on Twitter, two followers picked up on this. Um, so the rumour is that Kate Hudson and Leah Michelle did not get on. So we, we got two tweets. Uh, the first one's from Adriana. Um, that's why you shouldn't trust rumours. That's a lie. Kate and Leah are good friends. Oh. And then Rachel also said debunked. Kate and Leah are friends. Kate even let Leah stay at a house away from the paparazzi after Corey Montiez died. Oh. Doubt that will be corrected on your podcast, though. Well, I've mentioned your tweet. So you just have? So here we are. So um, let us know what you think of, of Dan's comments now. He's, uh, he's, he's reneged back on his comments, and, uh, and yeah, he's, he's corrected it, so let us know. Well, I felt attacked, but at the same time, I had to delve in, and I got pulled down this deep rabbit hole, and I, I sent you a couple of articles, right? You did? Yeah, so... It's um, it's not good. It's not good for Leah Michelle. Um, so we kick off with Samantha Marie Ware, who claimed that Michelle made her life a living hell during uh, sort of filming. But when you made my first television gig a living hell, because I'll never forget, I had the opportunity you would in my wig, amongst other traumatic microaggressions that made my made me question my career in Hollywood. That's a new term, a microaggression. I wonder, I wonder what my microaggressions are. Um, yeah. Hmm. Shit in your wig. Does she wear a wig, or is that just a is that a term? Is that a thing? I never watched Glee, so I wouldn't know what 
if, if they wear wigs or not. I presume. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, Glee, Glee was very sickly. Lots of, um, you know, middle-aged people dressed as, as high school kids singing around dancing. And actually, look, they've, they've got some brilliant, fantastic voices and the the covers of the songs were actually pretty good. But it's it's almost like watching Diabetes. Yeah. Very, basically, uh, very over the top. Um, but, you know, I, I liked it when it first came out. But I think after, what, season two or season three, it's got a bit much. So, Well, the, uh, the attacks didn't stop there. So Alex Newell, who played Wade, Unique Adams in four seasons of the show, seemingly referenced Samantha Ware's uh, tweet, not twit. Uh, when my friend goes through something traumatic, I also go through it. That's what friendship is. And if you can't understand that you're part of the problem, I mean that for both sides of the coin. Oh, man. Uh, so um, it's it's not good. Uh, we don't stop there either, Alex. So we've got Davia Snell, who appeared in one episode of The Fox Show, claims that Lee and Michelle didn't let him sit at the table with the other cast members because she allegedly told him he didn't belong there. He said that seeing Ware's initial post brought back bad memories of Michelle's alleged behaviour on set. Oh dear. Yeah. So um, a diva, it does sound like a diva, and she's she's calling all the shots apparently. Well I'm getting quite ranty, I'm going to be ranty about this afterwards, so uh, how not to be an idiot can hold my beer. I mean there's a whole lot more Alex, I mean I'm sort of, I, so I've got Pull down this rabbit hole. Careful, Dan. You might get some hate mail through on the old uh, hello.twradsgmail.com. Look, I'm just pulling from the sources. I'm here to... Shoot from the dog. hip and pulling from the sources. And, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's roll up your sleeves and let's have some more, Dan. So, transgender New York City nightlife star Linux the Robot. I mean, what a cool name is that? Linux the Robot. That's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, if I call myself Dan the Robot, it just won't sound good with it. Um, she revealed as an extra on the show in 2014 that Leah Michelle randomly fired another extra before realising it was Barbara Streisand's niece. Linux the robot alleges that Michelle then invited her back to arrange a meeting with her auntie. Yeah, shock. <laughs> I, think, I think Barbara Streisand is um, a Hollywood icon or a US icon. I think a lot of a lot of people do hold in high regard. I know that John Mayer, I know we're going slightly off tangent, but John Mayer, who I um, absolutely adore, fantastic singer, songwriter and, and general good round entertainer on social media. He absolutely adores her. So I, I see the odd, you know, comment here or there on Instagram or on Twitter and stuff, but I know she's revered as somewhat of, a, of an icon. So you do not want to be pissing off her, um, was it her, her niece, do you say? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to piss off her knees because you actually want to get some FaceTime with that legend. So, yeah, not too, and I'm not surprised she went back on herself. Well, it wasn't just on set with filming. Um, so we sort of go delving into the um, sort of beauty background with L'Oreal now. So one beauty pro told that after Michelle was signed to be the face of L'Oreal in 2012 for an estimated $1 million, so we're not talking small bank here, this is quite a lot of money, mm. one of her duties was a short interview about her beauty routine and she stormed out in the middle of it. The source claimed all the questions and answers were agreed on in advance. She just had to answer five questions on camera about her hair routine to a crew hired by L'Oreal. But two questions in, Leah Michelle just stood up, said she was done, walked out, and leaving everyone standing there in shock. 
the head of L'Oreal asked if she was coming back and her mother said, no, no, she is not. So we've got quite a diva on our hands. Um, so don't try and defend her to me when I'm here to dig up the dirt, Alex. It's not conducive to a good podcast episode if you shut it down. But no, I mean, yeah, it, it does sound like she's got some um, some uh, some high demands and uh, perhaps a, a high status of herself by the sounds of it. Well, I'm going to round up for you, Michelle, and it's not all bad because I figured, well, you know what, I've just unloaded some dirt on her. Um, Lee and Michelle fans are going to be listening to this and they're going to probably hate me. So let's balance it a little bit. Um, okay. so Australian actor Dean Geyer has defended Lee and Michelle amid the growing backlash against her after playing her boyfriend on Glee's fourth season in 2012. The 34-year-old is the first former co-star of Lee's to publicly support her as she faces multiple accusations of onset bullying. Dean said the 33-year-old actress was the most welcoming cast member when he joined the hit Fox show and that he never witnessed her making anybody feel uncomfortable. So this is quite a long-winded quote here. Leah is still one of my favourite co-stars and I've had the pleasure of working with. She is extremely hard-working and super fun to be around. Her work ethic is so strong it forces you to always be on top of your game and that's something I look forward to every day on set. I definitely learned a lot. When jumping onto a hugely successful and established show like Lee, I went into expecting to be known as the new guy for at least a month. But that wasn't the case at all. I almost felt welcomed immediately. And to be totally honest, out of everyone, Leah was the most friendly to me. I can only speak for myself and my own experience. But from what I saw during my time on set, there was nothing but professionalism and a genuine sense of community amongst the cast and crew. No one showed any signs of discomfort while Leah was on set. If I'm basing my opinion off my season, there definitely shouldn't be a reason for a backlash. Now, after this, um, Leah Michelle, who is currently seven, eight months pregnant, is listening to wake-up calls. She hears what everyone says and wants to apologise. All right. So she's acknowledged her poor behaviour on set and making people feel feel like crap. But is she a nice person? I don't think she is. I mean, one person against uh, three or four quotes there. But can you can you repent, Dan? Can you can you turn things around? Can you have some self reflection and can you be a better person? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, maybe we'll re- revisit this with a volume two. I'm going to slap a volume one on Divas. Yeah, and, uh, we'll come back and I'll further my research into Leah Michelle's career since. Okay. Well, I think um, I think parenthood has um, some positive effects. So, if there is any truth, um, I'm hoping for some some positivity for that particular actress. So, um, who was your first diva? Uh, so, my first diva is going to be Christian Bale. I'm not sure if you heard this guy, Dan. Have you heard of Christian Bale? Oh, the guy that plays Batman, right? Or yeah, the, the Batman. So, infamous method actor and celebrated Dark Knight. He's, of course, well known for his public falling out. Now, back in early 2009, Bale wasn't having a good time, Dan. Um, he spent some time apparently speaking to police following uh, alleged altercation with his sister and mother a few days before this uh, this rather infamous on-set disagreement with a member of the set team. Have you heard about this one? No. no. Have you not? It's quite famous back in 89. Um, now, what ended up happening was a four-minute 39 F-bomb tirade 
on the set of his upcoming film at the time, Terminator Salvation, which ended up surfacing on the internet. Now that film's absolute dog shit. Um, <laughs> it's really, really poor. I think it it was going in the interesting direction. Um, have you seen it, Dan? Are you a fan of Terminator films? Uh, yeah, they're all right. Yeah, I mean yeah. this one. This one was going to be good, right? It was about um, the actual uh, apocalypse. It was the start of um, the robot uprising, and it had a different kind of more grittier real-world kind of grounding. So although it was in the future, it wasn't kind of the too far, further-flung kind of sci-fi-esque film that we'd seen from, you know, Terminator 1 and 2, and and Truth Be Told 3 as well, when they do the the, the flash-forwards. But it ended up being a little bit weak and just a little bit of dog shit. So um, perhaps that was partly why he had a a 39 F-bomb tirade. But anyway... um, he did so. I'll give you a little bit more information in a second. Dan, I'll just send you an email. What I would like to do whilst I'm talking is check your emails, and there is a script in there. And there is some uh, bold words that I'd like to read out. D- by the way, guys, Dan doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> I did warn him that he'd have to do this, but we're going to do a bit of role play in a minute, Dan. So you're going to play the role of this poor, unfortunate set member team, and anything that's bold when, when I get to speak my words you get to speak yours we can almost do a little bit of a you know a, a to and fro almost like we're there How, how's that sound does that sound good to you yeah let's do it okay cool you see, you look, he looks and sounds nervous i'm sure you'll agree listener but we'll, we'll continue so anyway the actor partner was shooting a scene with actress bryce dallas howard who incidentally also mm, i mean she's done the jurassic world franchise right um i'm not too sure whether she's a great actress i'm on the fence but she does a banging director's job, does she not, in The Mandalorian? Mm, absolutely. She and had a, a debut, was it episode was it five or six? It was very good, anyway. Um, so if you haven't caught up in The Mandal- Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, it's a very, very good Star Wars. Um, and she directs it as her debut, and she did a very good job. Anyway, so he's, he's shooting a scene with Bryce Dallas Howard. When Shane Hurlbut which is a very um, difficult name to pronounce, apparently, um, who Dan will be playing at the moment. Um, uh, the film's director of photography, so, you know, no small small fry uh, gig. Accidentally walked on set, apparently, which he wasn't expecting. Now, just a bit of background, if you don't know Christian Bale, he is a method actor. Um, the, uh, I think he's the machinist. You heard of this kind of thriller horror film, Dan? Yes. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm aware so of it. So he shared something like, I don't know, £60. Pounds. A good like ten stone, whatever it is, the equivalent in, uh, in in European, a lot of weight, and ended up being literally rag and bone to the point where they said that he was just days away from death. Oh Jesus! And he he really gets into to the character and into the mindset, so he lives and breathes that role. So he thinks he has the most um, unique and uh, convincing kind of portrayal of, of that of the character on set so of course when you're in the moment and you are the savior of the human race fighting these murderous robots and then someone walks on set who's not part of that you're going to be a little bit miffed so apparently he goes ballistic threatening to kick Hulbert's ass and even gets him fired apparently he says i want you off the fucking set you prick he shouts at Hulbert. of course bale is i think he is he irish or scottish i think he's irish part irish um apparently when uh Hulbert apologized bell brushed it off with no don't be just sorry think one fucking second i'm gonna walk around and rip your fucking lights down in the middle of the scene do you have any fucking idea about it? it's fucking distracting give me a fucking answer 
which is um, they blunt and, uh, and going for the jugular. And apparently when Herbert did try to answer him, he only enraged Bale more. Now, Dan, we've got a script here. So for those that actually haven't read the transcript or perhaps want to be transported back to the um, to the said event, we're going to play a quick minute or two <laughs> role play. Okay, so I'm going to be Christian Bale. And uh, I'm going to go on to the tirade. So nothing personal, Dan, but I think it's good just to kind of illustrate the conversation. Uh, and you're going to be this poor director of, uh, of photography, Shane Hulbert. And I'll add in some of the other directors who get involved. Uh, and because I've actually bleeped out on this particular article the swear word, I'm not going to guess it. It's then going to have a centre beep, which hasn't worked. Is it going to work? It hasn't worked. Okay, I'm just going to say bleep. Because apparently my uh, <laughs> that board does work. Um, Wonders of modern technology. Yeah. It's okay. So I'm gonna start. Okay. So am I gonna walk around, Dan? Oh, sorry, uh, Shane. Am I gonna walk around and rip your bleep lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the bleep are you walking right through? Ah da da da. Like this in the background. What the bleep is with you? Like what don't you bleep understand? You got any bleep idea about, hey, it's bleep distracting having someone walking around behind Bryce in the middle of the bleep scene? Give me a bleep and answer. What did you get about it? I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you. And how was it? I hope it was bleep good because it's useless now, isn't it? Okay. Bleep sake, man. You're an amateur. McGee, you got bleep something to say about this prick? Well, somebody should bleep watching keep an eye on him. It's the second time that he doesn't give a bleep about what's going on in front of the camera. All right? I'm trying to bleep do a scene here, and, I'll, and I'm going to why the bleep is Shane walking in there. What's he doing there? Do you understand my mind is not in the scene if you're doing that? I absolutely apologise. I'm sorry. I did not mean anything by it. Stuff's the bleep set, man. For bleep's sake. All right, let's go again. Let's not take a bleep minute. Let's go again. I'm going to bleep kick your bleep ass if you don't shut up for a second, all right? Christian, Christian, it's cool. It's cool. I'm going to go, do you want me to bleep trash your lights? <laughs> do you want me to bleep trash them? Then why are you trashing my scene? I'm not trying to trash your scene. You're trying to trash my scene? Christian, I was only... You, you do it one more bleeping time and I ain't going to walk in off this set if you're still hired. I'm bleeping serious. You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy, but don't bleep cut in here when you're bleep around like this on set. Oh, well. Poor, Her poor Herbert. Poor Herbert. And um, it, it actually went on to, I think there was someone sneaked the uh, the camera onto set and then they filmed it. And um, he was incredibly embarrassed. Um Apparently, Harrison Chung, who apparently worked for Bell for many years as an assistant, told the UK Daily Mail newspaper that the actor had a hair-trigger temper for as long as he knew him, and that his family catered to him. Now, can people jump on Balmag and they get paid for these interviews? So you can't, you can't believe everything you read, and you should do your background and your research, like Dan has done on certain actresses and actors. Um, but unless he has been well known to be this method actor, and I can understand why he perhaps. He might be a little bit upset, but uh, nonetheless, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite the read, um, and it's very upset. And the thirty-nine f bombs. So um, yeah, if you if you want to actually live and breathe or print it off, and perhaps in lockdown enjoy the role playing, you could be Christian Bale. Then you can find the script online, and it's there for you to act out to your heart's desire. But yeah, Dan, it's um, I thought a biggie. Christian Bale, he's, he's a well-known actor and he's, he's very successful and he's very talented and he's a national treasure. 
but he's got a filthy mouth on him. And if you walk on set, he ain't going to be happy. So just watch yourself, because he'll call you out. And that's my first one, Dan. That's Christian Bale, who uh, I'm going to kick off this evening. Well, we're talking successful actors and uh, household names. What would you think if I said Bruce Willis? Ooh, now he is probably, I think we've talked about this on 90s action film or 90s movies. Um, I think he's my quintessential action movie hero actor, right? Um, he's he's still doing them, he's still doing the films, but, you know, go back to Die Hard, was it 84? Um, yeah. It is the action film, there, there's no arguing, um, and he's phenomenal. So... Uh, I know he could be fiery, and I know that he is a particular fan of his his craft. Um, tell me more, Dan. Tell me what what is he done? What's this actor done? Well, this story can be found in Kevin Smith's book Tough Shit. Oh. Um, so this comes from the set of Coppel, and um, producer Mark Platt actually gave up his entire salary for the film to make the budget work because everyone was excited to work with Bruce understandable right you you want someone like that on your cv i made a film with bruce willis yeah of course 100%. um well kevin smith actually described willis as warm conspiratorial and slick when he first spoke to him on the phone um he was convinced after the phone call that they were going to get on and have a blast making the film mm. happy days yeah so a month later uh, they were shooting a scene in brooklyn which smith describes as one of the friendliest neighborhoods in the world uh, when a glazier truck stops at the traffic lights, where the passenger yells out the window, Oh, die hard! I got die hard one, two, three, and four at home, bro. Die hard! <laughs> That's how I imagined it reading it, anyway. I'd uh, do that, to be fair, though, right? If you if you saw Bruce Willis filming, would you not, like, try and show your admiration for him? Yeah, exactly. 100%. I'm behind this guy. So the lights change and uh, the truck goes off. Um, and Kevin Smith's like, that's charming as fuck, right? Seeing one of the most famous Hollywood actors on the planet getting love from his audience made him smile from ear to ear. But not Bruce Willis. Uh, however, he was frowning and desperate to make conversation. Smith says to Willis, you've got to love that. So awesome that they still love you. People still call me Silent Bob and yell clerks. Apparently, Bruce sort of looked at him like he was a soggy old douchebag and walked off. <laughs> Um, but it gets worse. Um, Smith says, like the characters he plays, Bruce doesn't do well with authoritative figures. And when you're the director, you're ostensibly in charge. So the moment I walked to, onto set, he recast me from a colleague to a warden who was sentencing him to a movie jail. So that's a, this is day one. And it's a very simple scene. Oh, man. They're shooting uh, two guys in a diner sitting across from each other, doing funny dialogue. Co-star Tracy Morgan starts doing the script as written, and then Bruce starts to go off page, because obviously he doesn't like the script. Obviously he knows better, right? Yeah, of course. But encouraged by this, Tracy Morgan starts ad-libbing, and Kevin Smith says this, and when someone is gifted and crazy as Tracy starts bringing the funny, the guy who, in fact, is the most dour person I've ever met turtle the fuck up like Lord Lemio <laughs> getting a beat down by Darren McCarty I honestly believe Bruce got scared that day he's so image conscious he appeared to worry that Tracy might outshine him and rather than up his game he went the other way 
he started to shut down. Wow. Smith would often try to support Willis between takes, suggesting alts or changes, but Bruce would often stare at him like he had farted, nod, and Riley confirm. Then he would alter nothing. Bruce would often wave off any directional guidance. Tracy, however, would spend lots of time in between between takes, going over what was funny and what material could be explored further in the next take. Smith put it down to Bruce probably having a bad day. But it gets worse, Alex. No. no. He removed all pleasantry altogether on day two. Um, a lot of the crew had worked on Die Hard 3, so they were relatively unsurprised of how Bruce was acting towards Kevin Smith. Mm. Uh, Bruce would openly complain about how little money he was making from this film, and he was the highest paid actor in the film by millions. I mean, this is the guy who's being funded essentially by the producer's wages. Yeah. Plus more. He would dig in his heels into grind production and halt over the weirdest, dumbest shit. I quote. There was a part in the script where Bruce's character is supposed to jump out of a parked car so he could race across the road to attend to his fallen partner, who had just been fired on by a bad guy with an Uzi. It's 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 a panic moment. So yeah, um, crowds, crowds are scattering everywhere, like the candy glass windows are shattering. Um, during Bruce's coverage, the team show action. Bruce steps out of the car walks across the street looking more casually irritated than worried that his partner might be dead. Mm. <laughs> this is phenomenal. What, it's, what, a, what a, an irritation that your partner is laying, bleeding out on the ground and you've got a gun to save him. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing. Smith let Bruce know there would be a second take after his low-impact saunter. Bruce waved him away, says he's ready for take two, but he doesn't get into the car. Smith asks nicely, but Bruce says, disgruntled, we did that already. Smith replies, we need to do it one more time on this take too. So Bruce replies, so you want me to get out of the car again too? The second take was the last take, and it's in the finished film. When he, when his shot cuts to Bruce, he is already out of the car. Smith believes critics would have hated to have seen Bruce's character Ultra Blaze reaction to a loved one whose life was in danger. It was disappointingly close to the first take, and the message was clear. This was the best he was going to get. Yeah. Um, in one scene, Bruce decides to stay and do some off the camera, which means a bit of rewriting to save a scene he obviously decided to opt out of. So, I mean, Bruce is throwing a paddy in this film. He, he's not having a great time on set. Kevin Smith says this because when Bruce is on set his will is law Bruce wanted to shoot it his way over Smith's despite Pollock and Brady absolutely crushing the take which rocked funny pitch perfect and libs I don't know what libs means Alex but it's like here and libs means taking libs taking taking the mickey oh right okay libs well, I, I, don't, I don't know what libs means in, uh, in Kevin Smith's phrase okay. Bruce waves Kev over now, this is where it gets a bit bit aggressive. Uh-huh. Bruce asks Smith if he has a problem. I don't have a problem, but it sounds like you do, boss. Well, maybe you should clear the set so we can talk about it, replies Bruce. Uh-huh. You want me to clear the set. When the set was cleared, 
Bruce laid into Smith for not taking his suggestion. Smith explains he got everything he needed, and out of nowhere, he asks Kev if he wants to hit him. <laughs> Kevin Smith, of course, stays composed, brought everyone back, and shot the scene Bruce's way. I mean, you're basically wasting time and money here, Bruce. Come on. Following that, Smith went back to his trailer, locked himself in the bathroom, and put his fist through the wall three times. Wow. Um, it sounds impressive, but Smith actually describes the trailer walls being paper thin. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, at least it was better than um, trying to put his face through Bruce Willis's, uh, put his fist through Bruce Willis's face because I'm sure it wouldn't have ended quite so well as the as the trailer park wall did. But that rounds up my two biggies, and then I've got some honourable mentions, just little small snippets, which I just thought were quite funny, to be honest. Yeah, that's a lot of micro... What was it, microaggression, was it, you said, the, the previous term from, uh, mm-hmm. from Willis? Maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe he, couldn't, maybe he didn't quite feel the film. Well, someone else, Dan, who didn't quite feel the film, I'll talk about it in a second, but um, Ed Norton. Now, Ed Norton, right, he's a pretty good actor, but you don't see him that often anymore, do you? No, but I mean, funny you mention this, because one of our listeners said to us, Dan, um, Ed Norton, there's a reason why he is the only actor in a mainline MCU film and wasn't invited back to an Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. So I've done a little bit of digging on that as well, but I'll let you do your bit about Ed first. Well, there's a couple of things, and perhaps you can try and uh, chip in, Dan. But um, apparently Marvel obviously opted to, to the Hulk, and they had hired Zach Penn, who did a couple of the X-Men movies to write the screenplay. Apparently, the studio had approached Norton to star, and after meeting the, the director, Louis Leterrier, he signed on, providing his suggestions, obviously, to the screenplay uh, into the script. So he had some requests to say, look, if I'm going to do this, then you need to take on board my artistic license and listen to me in terms of script. So much like Willis wasn't too happy about doing a scene, um... Norton wanted to have some kind of input on, on how the film was going to be structured. And this isn't the first time he actually could go to do it. But apparently, Norton evidently did a substantial rewrite of the movie just literal weeks before filming started. So everyone's got ready. They know the script design. They know how things are going to look and be shot. They've done, obviously, the screen tests. And he decided to change everything. As you do. However, apparently, the Terrier shot as much as he possibly could of Norton's uh, script rewrites, along with pens. Um... And apparently it did make somewhat of a convoluted kind of end result. Now, I actually quite liked the uh, the Incredible Hulk. I thought Norton did quite a good job at portraying uh, Banner. And actually, I, this, I'm not sure this is an unpopular opinion, opinion, but I actually preferred Norton than I do the current iteration of, of Hulk um, from the MCU. That's just my preference. Um Apparently, Marvel executives um, halted the edit and ordered a new one with more action, less dialogue, which apparently obviously wasn't what Norton wanted when it was on the cutting room floor. Um, and Marvel also resented Norton's meddling. So actually, when it came to bring the Hulk back to the big screen, they obviously passed it to Mark Ruffalo, of course, and subsequently continued to do the role four or five times, obviously, including cameos. Um now, studios almost never comment, on, of course, on why an actor is or isn't cast. But Marvel have actually done something quite interesting, Dan, and they've actually said that when issuing a statement about why they've brought on Ruffalo or mm. just as a whole, they've said, an actor who embodies the creative and collaborative spirit of other talented cast members will be chosen to obviously uh, take part in their films. 
So in short, they were sick of him, obviously, then having all these rewrites and getting involved in, in things that perhaps weren't, wasn't his role and delaying and, and causing, you know, lots of delays on set. And Marvel spend a lot of money on their films, right? So if someone decides to do something last minute, that's going to cost delays and, and, and time. However, that isn't the only time he's meddled down, because during the filming of the Sons of the Lambs prequel Red Dragon, which I actually think is a pretty good film back in 2002, apparently he showed up onto set to film his scenes as uh, the character Will Graham, as the FBI profiler. And apparently he was a little bit overprepared, Dan, because in his hands were brand new and unseen previously before script pages that he had taken himself upon himself to write. He also demanded that the director would shoot the scenes without him actually seeing them, which obviously doesn't go down very well, doesn't it? Because you're effectively saying to someone, um, this is my version, we're going to do it, and you're unprepared, which isn't, you know, it's not great. Um, now, apparently, neither the director nor the producer obviously took kindly to Norton's spontaneous and unwanted script doctoring. Um, and there's lots of arguments. Now, um, with with this in mind, they've had to do an awful lot of cuts and lots of uh, editing to take on some of his feedback. But ultimately, again, he's meddled and there was lots of angry to and throwing to the effect that Norton feels that he was disrespected. Mm. But I can understand why people want to get involved in in the creative process. But if that's not what you're you know your plan to do, and that's not what you're paid to do, and you do it on the day of filming, <coughs> you know you, you can't expect too much. But Dan doesn't stop there, because actually it's not just about uh, his script writing. He's also had some niggles with some studios. And this is why I chose Ed primarily, but also I did some reading behind the scenes on these two other films. So um, have you seen the Italian Job remake, Dan? No, but I'm aware that he uh, he had problems with Paramount and with the director, Tony Kay, uh, over American History X. He did. That was one of them. Um, uh, and plenty of others. And apparently what he'd done, he's had signed a three-picture contract with Paramount, which I don't. I wasn't aware these, these kind of pictures, uh, contracts occur. I, I know you do like franchises or sequels or prequels, but I didn't know that you just carte blanche said, I'll do films with you regardless of like the way it's going to be. But apparently that was, well, that was what happened. So um, apparently in 97... Norton, uh, I mean, he, he, he signed up to the contract in 95. In 97, he actually haggled his agreement down to one future movie, so not three. Uh, with the understanding that both parties had 18 months to find a project they both liked. Now, Pat, if they couldn't come to agreement, the studio go, would go another 24 months then to sign him a project of their choice. So they both had to find something in a year and a half, but if not, they would get him something in, in, in two years. So he'll still get paid. But he's got a window in which to accept and, and you know to have first dibs on whatever they put past him. So apparently, when two thousand two Italian job came along, he pushed back and said, "I don't want to do it. You know, I, I don't like the script. I don't like what you've got for me. Uh, I think it's bullshit." But apparently, um, his lawyer uh, claimed that Paramount threatened to sue Norton if he declined a role, and so rather than get involved in extensive litigation, he apparently agreed to do the movie. However, when you see the movie, Dan is absolute dog shit. And the reason being is because he has zero inclination to play the role. It's very woody, it's very blunt, and although the character is, is quite mean and he is he is the, the baddie in it, he does a very good job, he actually puts zero effort into to understanding the character and delivering his lines because he actually doesn't want to do the film. Legitimately comes through as lacklustre 
and um, really quite disinterested. And it's not because that's him playing the the uh, the character. He legitimately did not want to do the film. Um, so apparently, you know, he, he didn't want to shake responsibility. He never said he wasn't going to do it, but um, obviously he was uh, he was forced into to working with that studio. And to that end, that's why a lot of studios no longer actually take him on as potentially an actor they want to consider because apparently he's been a bloody pain in the ass to work with he turns up with scripts which no one's seen before and they have to take on as part of the final cut or he signs deals goes back on them allegedly I wasn't there I don't know but what you read he's allegedly gone back on them he's renegotiated and then does a really appalling job but the Italian job I mean it's it's a Mark Wahlberg action film with Charlie Theron it's okay but he's absolutely god awful, and it could have been so much better. It would never reach the you know, the lofty heights of the '65 classic, the original. Um, but nonetheless, it had the makings of a, a good film. But he just absolutely bombed it because of his bad attitude. So um, sadly, he would have been my choice to be on the MCU. But he's he doesn't play nicely with other people. Uh, apparently, he's too creative, and that was Ed Norton, Dan. Yeah, um, never let the wolf in the hen house, as they say. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so I want to sort of like my uh, my small funnies, uh, funny demands from actors and actresses. Um, mm. First up, I've got Will Ferrell. Um, the actor and comedian asked for some pretty strange things whilst touring as a comedian. One of those things was a mobility scooter so he could ride onto stage. Makes the other sense. was the other was a headset microphone, which isn't really typical for comedians. Now, I'm not a comedian, um, and I've, I certainly don't believe I'm funny enough to be on stage to be making jokes and quips. But I think you're funny, mate. Don't don't put oh, yourself down. Thank you. I uh, watch you on. I watch you on that uh, on set. I don't ever recall, apart from Lee Evans, ever seeing a comedian with a headset and a mic. Nope. No, fair play. Yeah, most of them stands or microphones. Yeah, they never have an actual headset. I mean, to be honest, Lee Evans was always quite animated anyway. He was always up and down the stage. Uh, he's a, like, pissed with sweat from what Yeah. He, he always wears a suit. I mean, he does a uh, suit, suit changes. He does a suit change. He does a suit change in between, like, the halfway of the show, doesn't he? But yeah. he goes through those. I mean, he's hot up there. But, yeah, you're right. He's animated, isn't he? And that's why he needs a headset, because he just uses his body to... To, to, to get that comedic effect but I wouldn't have thought Ferrell was that kind of guy either uh, and just to break up before you go into your next one I'm going to put in George Clooney as well oh yeah the actor reportedly asked for certain things while on the set of Gravity I'm proud of this yeah that included a basketball court a custom made beach hut next to his trailer a hot tub and a landscape garden well, that sounds nice I mean those things would look lovely in my house but um, as a temporary kind of thing on set, do you, is it, do you need that? No, I don't. Not really. I mean, I say some of the demands do get a bit strange as I sort of go on. But I mean, I'll, I'll break up a little bit and we'll hear your next one. Yeah, I mean, my rider will probably be, you know, I don't know, M&M's or oh, what are those pink shrimps? You know, the, uh, the, the, the sweets, the foam sweets. I have oh, those, yeah. right? I wouldn't ask for a freaking hot tub or, or beach hut. Um, but what I also wouldn't ask for, Dan, is a thong. <laughs> a thong. Let me tell you why. So Tom Cruise, right? Everyone's favourite um, crazy mentalist 
uh, action hero who does his own stunts and breaks his, his ankles and um, has some interesting religious leanings. But all things aside, Tom Cruise apparently was touring around the Adriatic Sea in his luxury yacht, as you do. And he stopped at a port of Kotor uh, in Montenegro, lovely part of the world. Very, uh, very luscious uh, coastline and, and a lovely, uh, a lovely country at uh, that. Apparently, upon arrival, the actor asked the manager of the Forza Mare, a five-star boutique hotel, to clear out customers staying in each of the ten rooms. So it's, it's quite a, um, a luxurious and, uh, and small-numbered establishment so if you go in there you're going to spend a lot of money apparently Cruz wanted to get rid of all these people because he wanted to have an, in, 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 uh, a private dinner enjoy a private dinner without being disturbed by the rest of the guests now uh, of course as you'd expect Dan if you've heard a manager being told this he essentially told him to go and do one but he did deliver food to his yacht instead oh okay but Very if nice. you fancy a bite to eat you know, steak and chips but you want to have it in peace and quiet I wouldn't I personally would ask everyone in the hotel to basically do one. Um, and thankfully, they didn't pander to his um, his demands. But um, just for a, a bite to eat, he thought it was uh, it was well justified, which is an uh, insight into the actor. But no, also, apparently, um, a special item of clothing, which I've alluded to, is something that he also likes. So um, apparently, he asks for a G-string so he doesn't feel restricted whilst doing his stunts. Apparently, he was first embarrassed when he asked about this, but actually, he sees it now as a way of improving his flexibility as he gets older. Um, now, I can probably agree that, you know, you don't want your boxers and, you know, certain male appendages getting stuck in place that you don't want to, so you do need to be compact as you're bouncing off walls or jumping off buildings. So I can kind of get the uh, the anatomical requirements, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I've got a story about boxers in a minute. Just oh, to, okay. Just sort of give Tom a little bit of a bit of leeway. So I get it, I understand, yeah. Okay, well, don't overshare too much, Dan. But yeah, um, he uh, he sees it as a must, and you know, if you see see his stunts, he puts in the hard graft. So I can kind of understand why he wants to be on his A game. But yeah, um, dinner alone in the hotel, do one, get back in the sea, literally. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to um, he wanted to ask for some uh, some thongs and g strings. So um, that's an interesting insight into Tom Cruise. Uh, but no, tell us about your boxers before I, I crack on to some of my honourable mentions, Dan. Well, you know, as I uh, mentioned earlier, I moved house a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was bending down to, to pick, oh. pick something up and I felt something tear, Alex. Um, so, you know, naturally, sort of, you, you put your hands around, you sort of feel, oh, nope, my jeans are okay, they're fine. Thank God for that. Little did I know, Alex, until later on, when I, um, you know... You're derobed. Having a shower or whatever. Um, I'd notice my, my boxes are torn instead. So, yeah, I get it. Maybe I need to start wearing a thong next time I'm moving house. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't tear. Um, and it's, uh, I'm sure it's an occupational hazard, um, <laughs> you know, to, to wear for boxes. I mean, especially now, right, Dan? You know, we're, we're still in a version of quarantine in, during COVID. You can't easily go to the shops to buy some pair of boxes. So, actually... It's a definite requirement when you're moving house to look after your your clothing items. If anything, you should have really insisted upon buying some. Is, yeah, is what I'm saying. In fact, you well, had it. You had it calling upon yourself. You should have taken the necessary measures to look after your boxes. Is what I'm saying, Dan. You are yeah, to blame. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not queuing up for two hours just going to Primark. So I was... Hell no. 
Um, and for those who aren't um, perhaps from these lovely, glorious green aisles of the UK, we do have a, a cheap and, um, what do they call it, uh, throwaway fashion um, shop, Primark, not sure if it's uh, overseas, but anyway, the day literally that the UK um, public were allowed to go out, not to get essentials, but to go and, and shop, there were queues, what was it, at least a quarter of a mile, if not half a mile long of people waiting to get yeah. into the shop, wasn't it, done here in, uh, in Portsmouth, you just think... Why is that? Why is that the first place you go to? Anyway, the mind boggles. Um, the mind also boggles, Dan. Though with Gary Boosie. Ah, oh, yes, yeah. Now, apparently, I Gary Boosie. He's he, he's quite the nutcracker. Now, apparently, he was working on Quigley, which is a feel about a person being re- reincarnated as a dog to atone for his mistakes. Sounds like a Disney job. Um, the actor made an interesting demand when it came to film scenes in heaven, according to uh, his co-star Curtis Armstrong. Now, Paddy Boosie sh- uh, showed up to set, to, uh, showed up on set to make you a little more like heaven, and he looked around and said, "I can't play this scene." Now, Paddy are three days uh, behind this point, and Boosie said, "Look, heaven's nothing like this. I've been to heaven. It doesn't look like this. The sofa's all wrong. That mirror's ridiculous. They don't even have mirrors in heaven." And it was ridiculous, and apparently he went completely nuts about design of how heaven should look in a film. So apparently he's been to heaven, he's seen it, and it was totally non-realistic, and he had a particular issue with with, uh, with mirrors on set. Um, now, Gary Boosie is an interesting guy. He was a, was he a late 80s, mid-80s action hero or thrillers, or he was a cop, I think, most of the time mm. when he played um, in Hollywood. Very tight past. Um, yeah, 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 and he's been on you know reality TV show in the last what ten years on UK Celebrity Big Brother, and I don't think he came across very well. So he's, he's I think he's got a troubled, uh, a troubled past, and a troubled mind. But nonetheless, that's some insight into perhaps how people think that um, that the the pearly gate should look. Mm. So uh, that's that's Gary Boosie. But um, Dan, what what were some of your honourable mentions? Uh, I've got Will Smith from the set of Men in Black yeah. Three. Good one. I've got this one. Uh, the movie star had a two-story trailer whilst filming the movie in New York. This included two bedrooms and two baths. I mean, I don't know why you need two bedrooms or two baths, but hey. I mean, I mean Dan, that's bigger than some people's houses in the UK. Yeah, for sure. So, for, so a trailer, a temporary place to go in between scenes when you're not on set, and you need you need that? That's mental. Mm. Now, this still wasn't enough because he had another trailer brought in along with a gym trailer. Given all of that, the actor also had a flat in the city at the time. So, he even had somewhere to go and he still decided to have a mobile home, literal home, brought to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't get it. I don't know why you need it. I mean, if I was on set, say, in Gunwolf Keys, doing a film... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to write this. Uh, it'll be a giant monster coming out of the sea, tearing the spinnaker tower down. Cool. I'm down Let's that, yeah. uh, Done my day. I'm just going to go back to Fratton, mate. I'm going to go uh, go back to my house and go to bed. Put your feet up. Enjoy your surroundings. Watch your TV. You know, sit in your rip boxes uh, and, and and enjoy it. Not have to. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Uh, next, I've got J Lo, uh, Jennifer Lopez. Oh yeah. Uh, it seems like the actress doesn't like seeing colour when getting ready to work. Oh. Now, according to the source of The Smoking Gun, she demands everything in her room to be white, from the flowers 
the candles and the couches to the room itself. She also seemingly doesn't like apples, grapes or tomatoes since it was reportedly that she explicitly said they shouldn't be included in her food. They are green food though, Dan. I mean, some some apples can be red, but they are green food, so that ain't red. Yeah. Um, I know he's not an actress uh, and... Um, Jennifer Lopez kind of straddles in music and the the yeah the Hollywood worlds, but um, Mariah Carey apparently won't walk anywhere without a red carpet underneath her feet. Does she think she's royalty? Because I don't get she, think, she thinks she's music royalty, and to be fair, in terms of royalties, she really doesn't have to sing another song ever again because every Christmas she's rolling in the bank. Oh, of course, and fair play to her because it is a cracking track. Um, but um, my final three, Dan. So Jack Nicholson, the uh, the original Joker, and he's phenomenal at that as well. Um, apparently, there's multiple things that he likes to do that are unscripted when he's on set. Apparently, one of the more notorious instances, Dan, is using a dildo. <laughs> now, apparently, apparently, according to a trusted source, and God knows what the trusted source is, apparently Jack suggested using a prosthetic appendage as we know, it's a dildo. Um, he wanted to, uh, to 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 use that in a particular um, scene, and he also wanted to dust um, one of the actresses in cocaine. And apparently, Martin uh, Scorsese said, "Go for it." Now, I don't think that she ever did, because uh, that's highly illegal and um, degrading for, for for females around the world. Um, but that was on Departed. Now, Departed's quite a good kind of gangster cop type film. Have you ever seen it, Dan? No. Um, I mean, I've been doing a lot of um, homework this week. I've been on annual leave. So uh, I, I watched Face Off, which I'd never seen before, and I'm not sure how. Oh, um, that's an amazing film. I did. I, I, I was rather surprised when you uh, you told me this news. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's your typical 90s action film, which is just ridiculous. And I loved it. Um, I also watched The Martian, which was a oh, film phenomenal. So good. And I can't so believe I'd never seen that either. Well, this one you can add to your list because it's got DiCaprio in it. It's got uh, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, uh, and a couple of other recognisable faces. But Jack Nicholson's in there. I think he's, yeah, from record, it's been quite a few years now, well, since 2009 uh, or 2006 since it was released, uh, since I've seen it. But I recall he's like a, a mentor and he plays both sides. Now, I won't spoil it because I, I, I would recommend that film. But um, yeah, apparently he uh, he turned up and he insisted they use a, a dildo, which isn't in script. Uh, not literal usage. That's that's, that's a bit um, bit bit uh, too graphic to our listeners. But as I think he wanted to illustrate a point uh, in a particular scene, and he also wanted to use cocaine. Of course, Martin Scorsese said, "No, it's not going to happen." Uh, Brittany Murphy. Now, Brittany Murphy is an interesting one. She hasn't been around, I think, since the nineties or anything meaningful. But apparently, less sex-rated than uh, than Jack Nicholson. Apparently, she insisted apparently on always having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, mm. which Dan had to be cut diagonally with the crust removed. Now, are you, uh, if you take a sandwich, does it have to be down the middle? Does it have to be diagonal? And do you have crusts? I think we need to know this. But would you accept those things? Uh, I mean, sure. You're not fussed. I'm, I'm not fussed how my sandwiches are cut. I mean, usually it's just rectangles, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, I'm not even that fussed anymore. Half the time I don't even cut my sandwiches anyway. Just get in a fist and shove it in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. Just Why not? Just chuck it in your mouth. Done. 
So apparently she she takes a little bit more time because um, apparently she needs one every hour. Apparently when she was uh, when she was filming, apparently it was painstaking. Her assistant takes about half an hour making each one. Now, I don't know what she's doing wrong because um, making a sandwich <laughs> doesn't take half an hour. But anyway, there there is a set criteria, and if you don't get it right, Brittany Murphy is not very happy. So that's one of her riders, one of her requests. But the last one, Dan. Now, he's going to do a couple of, I think, remakes or, or sequels to some 90s classics. Eddie Murphy, the original com- comedy man of the late 80s, early 90s. Um, now, apparently, whenever he's on set, he likes everything to be new. Right. So we all. So from his clothes to his toiletries. So apparently he doesn't believe in recycling, apparently some insiders have said. Uh, apparently when he was on set back in the day, he every morning when he's about to shoot a movie, he demands a new set of special underwear and socks and apparently got to have all the tags attached so he knows they're legit apparently when he puts them on at the end of the day he just throws it away uh, uh, what I, I don't understand I don't understand well not too much we're quite a lot today but um, some of my my, my pants are uh, quite a few years old let alone days <laughs> <laughs> but they never see uh, more than 12 hours apparently, of, uh, of Eddie Murphy's, no doubt, perfectly shaped and sculpted backside. Now, um, his motorhome apparently was stocked with toiletries like mouthwash and toothpaste, drinks and everything. Um, although, why would you want a uh, an old drink? I'm probably with Eddie Murphy on that one. But apparently, everything ha- that was open had to be thrown away at the end of the day and then restocked. And this is including things like toothpaste and, and mouthwash, so quite wasteful. And everything had to be pristine and fresh. So um, if you're uh, if you're going to be having an Eddie Murphy on set and he's going to be filming, I think, um, uh, what's the the, uh, the the follow-up? There's um, I've got to look at it whilst you're finishing off, Dan. But he's he's doing a sequel to I think a late '80s classic comedy um, set in I think he's an, an African prince going to America. But anyway, they're doing a, a sequel. So um, hopefully, directors know that they've got to uh, to put quite a lot of money aside for all of this stock because he's going to be going through it at a rate of knots. So yeah, that's uh, that's my final one with the Murphys, but that one's Eddie Murphy. He's an absolute legend, but also a bit of a wasteful nut job. Uh, just to round up for me, and then we'll go on to the listeners, uh, I've got Lindsay Lohan. Now, um, this actress is quite renowned for being unreliable, um, but apparently she also comes up with some strange ways to, to get comfortable on set. Uh, many actors and actresses do find it awkward to shoot sex scenes and therefore ask for a closed set. But Lindsay Lohan, Alex, reportedly went down a different route. Now, a source revealed to TMZ that she was so uncomfortable with the idea of burying her bosom in front of the set's 10-man crew, she asked them to strip with her to their boxes. The crew, oh, really? the crew reportedly did so and ended up filming in their underwear. All right. I mean, uh, perhaps I shouldn't ask you this question, Dan, but um, if, if you're on set with Lindsay Lohan and she told you to strip along with her, would you feel compelled to or would you say, sorry, love, that's not my contract and uh, you would not be compelled to um, to reciprocate? I'd be, uh, sorry, love, get in the sea because your films are shit as well. I'm off. <sighs> Shots fired. I mean, no one needs to see this dad bod, so I'll be inclined just to say, you know, do one. But um, that's that's quite a big ask. I mean, I mean, I know that that it is difficult to kind of portray these things, but um, to to ask everyone else to get involved, that's the first time I've heard that one. Yeah, 
Um, so on to the listener. We've got Rob, who is our film buff. Um, he regularly sends things into us. Um, his diva is Steve McQueen, who demanded the same amount of lines as Paul Newman in The Towering Inferno. Now, he goes on to sort of explain a little bit more about the scenario. So get this. McQueen's character doesn't appear in the film until 43 minutes, which by which time Paul Newman's character had spoken half of his lines. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then we had down with Ed Norton, which we've sort of followed yep. up through, through your notes. And then last up, we've got Gavin. Michael Jordan had a full-size basketball court plus a gym built on the Warner Brothers lot while filming Space Jam. Check it out in episode eight of The Last Dance on Netflix. Also, watch The Last Dance. It's incredible. Now, I've heard someone at work mention about Last Dance, and I'm not really into basketball, but um, Netflix have done documentaries pretty good in the last 12 months. I think Dan's fair to say what with um, uh, Tyking and the likes. So I have some interest in it, but um, I've got a, a fun and embarrassing fact for you, Dan. Okay. I've never seen Space Jam. What? Who yeah. are you? I know, right? I I I need to rectify. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it's on one streaming services now, actually. And actually doing a sequel uh, in 2021, I think. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I always want to go to cinema, and my dad wouldn't take me. I can hear the the, the, the violin playing now, little violin just playing for me, and my dad wouldn't take me. I know. Thank you, Dan. Um, he's, <laughs> he's doing it on screen just just for me, and um, I never got to see it. So I need to write that wrong. You know, 25 years later, actually go and see this film from the comfort of my own home. So I will rectify that wrong, guys. Don't worry. But yeah, I've never seen it, Dan. Incredibly upset by that. This is a quite a re- re- revelation. I know. I need to. That's, that's a cross I need to bear no longer uh, and unburden myself. So I'll give everyone an update and let know how I get on the next couple of episodes. But yeah, that's that's my task and my homework to, uh, to write that wrong. But that's it for... For the first episode of our new season. Yeah, it is. And for volume one of Divas. And, you know, there have been some consistency, I think, with people overstepping their marks and asking for interesting riders and the likes. But, um, yeah, we may have missed some, Dan, actually, because there's been quite a few out there. So, um, you know, if, if we do a, a, an episode two or volume two, shall I say, then um, we are more than interested and keen for people to, to, you know, to, to contribute and to, to let us know. Mm-hmm. As some of this has already done for, uh, for volume two. So, um please do get in touch. And we've also, Dan, before we give us the content details, we've also got some interesting and really um, exciting episodes coming up, haven't we, if, if people want to get involved? Yeah, so, um, no, I mean, next week we'll be doing a massive roundup. So if anyone's got any news they want to share with us, please yeah. get involved. I mean, we've probably got plenty to talk about because we'll be covering, what, May and June, um, which is quite a lot to get through. There is. Uh, and then... This one, we just came out of nowhere this week. We're going to be doing an episode on urban legends. We are. So we were, uh, we're going down another rabbit hole. We did uh, the Mandela Effect. Uh, we also did Conspiracy Theories, which was really good fun, actually, last year. I really enjoyed it. I'll put the links in the description below. Um, but we, um, I mean, we're not going to name names, Dan, but someone did reach out to us. And they said, guys, can you check out this film and um, uh, on YouTube? And... Um, the, the way it was, it was written looked like it, it may be a, a, um, like a bot 
Dan, I think yeah. it's fair to say. Uh, now, it turned out through a little bit of testing, rather embarrassingly, it turned out it wasn't a bot, and this chap was very polite and, and just wanted us to check out the film, which is great. And we, we always encourage people to reach out to us. But the way it was was uh, was, was panning out on uh, one sunny afternoon with Dan and I, it sounded like it was the startings of a, uh, a brand new um, uh, story. Yeah, Urban Legend. So um, I, I remarked to Dan that we should do Urban Legends. And it is a rabbit hole, and there's some fantastic and weird and wonderful stories out there. So if you want to get involved and help start some research or some of your favourite ones, and people have already done so on social media, please do get in touch, because actually that's there's some really creepy ones, and there's some really interesting ones, and some really nutty ones. So I think it's going to be quite a good and interesting episode, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun just researching at the moment, Dan. Dan, about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of like trying to do the social media at the moment to sort of post on all our socials, which I'll mention in a minute, uh, if people want to get involved. But some of the things are quite bizarre. Like, They're really out there. I mean, some of them we have mentioned conspiracy theories. And again, I think we're going to get sucked down that rabbit hole of, is it a conspiracy? Is it an urban legend? And then it's sort of, it will be a fine line, I reckon. Mm. But now I'm looking forward to that one. And then um, I've promised Dan, but I do need to deliver. I think a couple of weeks later we'll, uh, we'll do The Makings of Jurassic Park. And I'll take you on a wonderful and wondrous journey, lifting the uh, the lid upon the 92 classic that we're both obsessed Well, at least I'm obsessed with. I think you are, Dan, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, the makings of that, all the way from anecdotes on set to how they actually got the, the end result and there's some wonderful stories which I'm going to be uh, be sharing with you and the listener about in the, in a couple of weeks so we've got loads to, 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 to record and to look forward to but we're always looking for your input guys so uh, if any of that floats your boat or in fact you want to have more different episodes on different content then let us know we're always open to, uh, to having a look at people's videos or films or researching content uh, but Dan, how can how can our uh, our beloved listeners get in contact with us if they oh, have an right. idea? We are on Facebook at the Weekly Roundup with Alex and Dan. We are on Twitter at hello underscore twrad. We are on Instagram at hello dot twrad, and then we've got Gmail, which is hello dot at gmail dot com. Or alternatively, if you want to be part of the show, well, you can leave us a voice message through Anchor. You can, yeah. In the description below or on our social medias, I think we do. Uh, was it a Monday a Monday shout-out? Voice message Monday, unless I'm, uh, I get preoccupied and I post something different. But uh, Voice message Monday uh, is a good place to be. Look out for socials. On there will be a, like, a link. All you've got to do is accept the use of your microphone or your mobile device and you can record straight into the show. Um, so, yeah, get in contact. Let us know. You can either have your voice or you can have your written content. And uh, much like the guys already this evening uh, on other episodes, you can, uh, you can actually be part of, uh, of our wondrous episodes. Indeed. But for a, a rather, what, what was the term, Dan? A micro aggression. Uh, uh, a rather microaggressive fueled uh, episode. Uh, I've been the rather ranty Alex. Uh, I've had enough of ranting now. I want to go and get my staggeringly good beer out of the fridge and have a pint. Oh, I've been Dan. And for another week, we'll see you next time.